This episode contains descriptions of domestic violence and may not be suitable for all audiences. Enter at your own risk. Welcome to our podcast, it's about what's on TV, where pop culture meets psychology. We've got trained professionals and a hint of comedy. How about now? Hello and welcome to another episode of How About No. We are coming at you. Uh, it's a Saturday morning, which is unusual for us, mm-hmm. but I feel energized. Yeah, I usually wake up early every morning. Uh, funny, cool thing about me, I have never relaxed ever. So this is... I know. <laughs> oh my God. What time did you get up this morning? Um, I was going to tweet. I was going to respond to your tweet at five in the morning when you're talking about what wreath you're going to buy, your seasonal wreath. And uh-huh. I was just like, where does Rachel buy her seasonal wreath? That's something I can do at five in the morning. Where do you buy your seasonal oh. wreaths? Oh, okay. Well, by the way, I was up at 5 a.m. with oh. the puppy, but I wasn't like I wasn't like online at 5 a.m. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so being a homeowner, I have really embraced decorating my front door because I have to win the neighborhood competition that the other neighbors don't know exists. Oh, like good. I have to have the best like porch styling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so um Let's see. I've bought wreaths from all over the place. Okay. The latest, the one that I got yesterday, I happened to have to go make a return to Michael's for my husband and there's a home goods right by the Michael's. Ah, okay. And so I was like, you know what? Since I'm here, I'm going to go in. Mm -hmm. And they had, they had like a lot of wreaths. Oh, by the way, Michael's has like all this wreath making stuff. Yes. But I was like, I was like. Don't do it. I'm willing to throw some money at this, but I don't think I want to design my own. No. So I wasn't willing to do that, but um, I went to Home Goods and, you know, I couldn't really decide until I got in the line. And then you know how in the line they have all that stuff to look at. Yeah. Well, in that line they had Easter wreaths that were like the shape of a bunny, mm-hmm. but not in a gaudy, like gross Easter way. It was like actually really nice. So it was like – um green uh like hedge kind of material shaped as a bunny or as my husband says it looks like an eight to him um (laughs) but then and then these little colorful eggs kind of on it okay and I was like that's really subtle and for a Jewish person I feel okay about putting this Um, yeah Oh, here's your husband with your yeah, coffee. Yeah, he made me coffee. Dang it. <laughs> um, how nice. Yeah. Anyway, um, <clears throat> but the day before, I had purchased a wreath on Wayfair, which I do sometimes. Okay. I've gotten a wreath on like, like Crate and Barrel. Okay. Like after their seasonal sale starts happening. Mm-hmm. Now there's something I just found. I can't remember what the website was, but I just found this website that does like these crazy, intense, luxurious wreaths, and they're like four hundred dollars. And I and you know I want one, but I haven't. I haven't. I'm not there. I do like learning about what the higher end uh, of a product is through you, because um, <laughs> I would have started at the dollar store, looked at the things that they have there. Um, and then realize I'm not crafty, so we're not doing it. I would. Well, I I was upset with myself because once I stepped into Home Goods and saw <clears throat> how many wreaths they had at good prices, I was actually upset with myself for buying the Wayfair one because they had basically the exact same wreath mm. that I bought through Wayfair, and the one that I bought at Wayfair was probably thirty dollars more than what Home Goods was selling it for. Okay. So I felt like stupid, you know. Um, and I thought, well, I could buy it here and then cancel the Wayfair order, but I can't be bothered to, to, no. to go through that many steps. So I didn't do that. Yeah. Um, I didn't do that. But then I also got a meditating frog for my garden and um, like a little bird. So. What is a meditating frog? Is the frog um, just – You know, it's just like a, a lawn ornament. Okay. Is it med- like a frog. Is it in a pose? It's like – He's like, um, oh, what? okay, yeah. So he's in a pose. Okay, yeah. <laughs> okay, I thought like maybe it might say something or like have a, I don't know, like you know those fish, um, water pitchers that when yes. you pour it, go 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 go. I thought maybe there might be something fun like that. No. Okay, it just it's a metal thing that sits out in the garden, and you know, like it's not supposed to rest or whatever. Oh, okay, that's cute. 
Um, Good for you. Well, I'm glad that I saw that at five in the morning and that we are here this morning and I learned a little bit more just now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So anyway, there's like, yeah, in terms of kind of pandemic life and how things are going and what we're yesing, my garden is definitely one of those things. Another thing is I'm going to say yes today to Differin Gel. Do you know what that is? I have heard things about different gel and um, in that when they became like over the counter as opposed to you needing um, having a prescription. Right, a prescription. Okay. So talk to mm-hmm. me about different gel. Well, I don't know. Have you ever seen that um, beauty YouTuber or skincare YouTuber Hiram? Skincare with Hiram. Okay. He's like the most popular skincare guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just some young guy. He lives in Hawaii mm. actually. Um and people just love this guy who does skincare mm-hmm. recommendations. And he's not even like an esthetician or a doctor or anything like that. But doctors love him. They think he's full of great information. Um, <clears throat> but it seems like as we age, the big thing right now is retinoids. Like you have to use a retinoid, but it can really wreak havoc on your skin at first. Uh-huh. Um, because what it does is kind of acts like a magnet and pulls like every gross thing out of oh, your I love pores. It. And so you can have like a purge first mm-hmm. and your, your face can get worse. Yeah. Differin gel, it, the scientific name is adapalene and it's a form of a retinoid. Um, and they say that you really have to give it 12 weeks. Like you can't just start it and decide you don't, if you don't like it because your, your face is purging. Like you have to just commit to the 12 weeks. So I did that because of the pandemic, because I have acne problems and I usually go see an esthetician and get a, uh, it's not a laser treatment, but it's broadband light. Mm -hmm. And I haven't been doing that because of the pandemic. So I was like, you know what, let me try the different gel and I will give it the full 12 weeks. Well, I just hit my 12 week mark Mm -hmm. and I'm a fan. Nice. Like all, like all the places I normally get blackheads are clear. Okay. I, you definitely look glowing, but you always do. So I'm glad that um, you found something. I will definitely look into it and throw a lot of money that way. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's like 30 bucks for a tube of this stuff and I haven't even put a dent in it in three months. Like nice. I, and you got to be careful. I don't use it every night. I use it like every other night. Okay. And I sandwich it between moisturizers. Okay. Yeah, it thins out your skin. Is that what it is? You have to use like well, sunscreen. Can make it like feel raw. Oh, okay. Definitely need a sunscreen. Only use it at night. Yeah. Um, it can make you feel. It can make your skin peel. It can make it feel like just kind of raw. And like, there's definitely been times where I felt chapped. Mm-hmm. You know. All right. But I do think it's a great product. So, uh, get some. And on that note too, the Sephora sale is coming up. Oh yes. And you're going to do your Pat McGrath. Who tweeted back to you? Pat McGrath tweeted me and now I have to buy the eyeshadow palette. And now you have to, yeah, you have to, she said, yes, you said I should splurge right on the Pat McGrath palette. And then she said, yes, do it. You deserve it. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. Um, Yeah. The Sephora sale is coming up April 9th and I have already a cart built out. Um, it depends on your status with Sephora, but you get as much as 20% off, um, 10% if you're an insider, 15% if you're one step above that, mm-hmm. and 20% if you're a rouge. Yeah. Now, um, it's a great time to buy some of those more expensive items that you've had your eye on for a while because the Sephora sale, I think it only happens twice a year. Mm-hmm. But guess what I learned? What? If there's something you really want, it's good to check that brand's website as well because sometimes they're running parallel sales yes. and they have better deals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Sephora points aren't that great compared to like something like Ulta, you know what I mean? But I definitely think you need to do your research. The way that we always do our research, I'm I'm always looking for like coupon codes, sale codes, all okay. those kind of things. Like you can add a promo code. I always look for those before I do it and I feel like I win something if it works exactly exactly I feel like sometimes I just try codes that I think will work like welcome 10 because mm-hmm. that's like something that works like for every website for some reason mm-hmm. so you guys try it I don't know yeah sometimes I look at um <laughs> like I'll search for whatever promo code um 
whatever month we're in. And then a lot of times it'll take me to uh, Tinsley Mortimer's ex's website, Coupon Cabin. Oh, yeah. Coupon, coupon Cabin. cabin. Don't you have to be a member to I don't know. Coupon Cabin? Yeah. It, that one is not as great. Retail Me Not is usually my go-to place for yeah. um, all of the, the coupon codes for, for things I need. But every time I go there, I'm like, huh, whatever, Scott. Whatever his name is, Scott. Yeah. Yeah. Well, whatever Tinsley. Too, yeah, whatever Tinsley. Also, you. She's a glutton for punishment. Mm-mm. Um. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I tried watching. Everyone's talking about that Demi Lovato documentary, mm-hmm. and I tried watching it, and um, I couldn't. Like, in no shade to her. I, it sounds like she's been through. Some, she's incredible. Whatever she's been through, but. She holds no space in my brain, I think. Like, I, you know, I'm not a millennial. Well, if I am a millennial, I'm on that very early. We're so elder like, millennials is what they've called yeah, us. Yeah, so I I don't even think I am. I think I'm that in-between thing. Like, I'm not Gen X, but I'm not mm-hmm. a millennial. I don't know. I think they call it Gen Y. Okay, yeah. As in, why me? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um. Yeah, I mean, I tried. She overdosed. Okay, got it. Um, she's self-destructive. Got it. Uh, but I don't find her interesting, I guess. I don't find her outside of what she is as, like, a singer. I don't I mean, okay. Um, it, I, yeah, it's, it's hard for me to connect there. You know, uh, maybe because, and she's just had a lot of missteps, which is maybe part of her journey is, you know, maybe the whole saying that she's 2% African or something as she did. She did her DNA test and people were like, mm, we don't, that's a thing. We don't do that. I didn't know that. Yeah. Something like that. Um, but you're right. I, I, the way I consume a lot of media that is too long for me to watch is through TikTok um, and then they'll condense it. And so I guess there's just a lot of animation in it, which was interesting that. Paris Hilton's documentary also had a lot of animation. So when they're recapping like previous scenes and instead of reenact, like the way they reenacted is like through, you know, a cartoon. Um, mm. So that's, that's all I know about it so far. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I think you can skip it okay. is my point. Um, don't skip. However, uh, a client told me about this and I can't believe I didn't even know this existed. Um, the tiny chef show. Have you ever seen that guy? No, but I just like all those three words you just said. <laughs> a tiny chef. I think the tiny chef show, I it's like a little felt guy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a stop motion cartoon. Um, the tiny chef, you just have to check it out. You're gonna you're gonna thank me. He loves RuPaul. Oh yeah. Okay. And so and everything's tiny, so he's in his room, and there's like a tiny poster of RuPaul behind him. Um, I can't really explain what this is. It is just the weirdest little, you know, Muppet cartoon type of thing. Um, and and a client told me about it. I went and looked at it, and you know, Tiny Chef Show is very popular, and so I was just very surprised that I didn't know because I'm a woman that likes to be in the know, mm-hmm. and I'm sure a bunch of our listeners already know about it. Oh, that's so cute. Um, he's also – he is on TikTok, so you can look him up on TikTok. Tiny um, show, show. If that's where you spend the majority of your time now. I My brain has no space for much else. I mean, honestly, it's full of nonsense yeah. and empty Yeah, both at the same time. How's the roller skating going? Oh, I did it once. <laughs> I did last week. I'll do it again. It was, um, it was good. I didn't fall. It was a lot harder than I – thought and then I'm like okay I need to do some things like um learn how to stop uh yeah I mean that would be the big one you know mm-hmm. um but I'm excited they look good my aesthetic is is moving in the right direction this yeah, is good for me this thing. is good for that's, me I say yes I got it from Impala they're rose gold um they're super cute and you know once I learn how to do this i'm going to dominate the kids that are mean to my kids at the skate park yeah dunk on their asses (laughs) oh who's coming to pick Uh, you up your mom i'm here now yeah who else would it be um oh and okay this is the last thing before we get to um get to our next segment where mona is going to break down the thing with jen shaw the real housewife of salt lake city but 
um, there's a new docu series on Netflix called Worn Stories. And what it is, is it's going to sound kind of boring, but it is not. And you have to believe okay. me about this. Um, it's about people, it's about an article of clothing that people um, find near and dear to their heart or whatever. Okay. And they kind of tell the story behind the article of clothing. And it is fascinating. It sounds fucking stupid. But it's not. The first episode, they really start out with a bang because they go to a nudist colony and they talk to people about not wearing clothes <laughs> and what that is like. And um, yeah, there's some naked bodies in this uh, documentary. But also the second episode I really, really, really liked. And it featured this guy who was a very – famous isn't the right word, but um, a very – prominent saxophone player who actually played in Tina Turner's band. And we're going to be talking about Tina Turner today. So this is um, kind of ties it all together. Um, he played in, he was like the sexy sax guy, mm -hmm. you know, who went on tour with Tina and um, he wears, do you know what a cod piece is? Is that, it feels genital. Is, yeah. <laughs> is it genitals? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's kind of like a speedo, but it's like, his thing is this cod piece that makes him feel like him on stage and he wears it over his jeans and mm. it's leather. It's a leather. It's like a speedo or a, or a jock strap kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Banana like hammock. Leather and looks kind of bad. Yeah. But he says, Tina Turner bought me this cod piece. Okay. And she went into a store one day, like in Amsterdam or something and was like, that's the look I want my sax player. <laughs> to have. I want you to wear this cod piece. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a really interesting, funny story. Uh, and I, I highly recommend checking, checking this, uh, this I love, documentary. Out. I love that. I think because there's so many things that like I equate or I tie to um, part of a article of clothing, like based on whether or not I'm like, I like if I had a, um, a bad experience, I will never wear that thing again. Like I remember I was working one day and I got so nervous about like just a big event that we had to pull off and I started breaking out in hives and I was like every time I'm going to look at that dress I'm going to think about how my body was just so flush and like itchy yeah so I was like I'm not doing yeah. that again or if like the and it's like uh, and I love that because we tie so many memories to you know like a landmark in our a milestone in our lives right it was like I was wearing that shirt when you know I got into a fight with someone or when I learned this information or something so I either keep it and remember it fondly or be like I'm going to purge this because I don't want to see this again do yeah. I need this no yeah yeah I want to check it out worn stories yeah please check it out I hope I didn't just spoil the best part no. of it but I think you'll like it <clears throat> okay so let's move on to Mona Mona break Mona what did we decide Mona makes sense Mona makes sense Mona makes sense of Jen Shaw I know who she is. I did watch, I did watch Salt Lake City Housewives. Um, but what is going on? Well, I and I think people are taking it pulls in together so many things that we love, right? So it's like reality show. It's also things that I love: scammers, liars, uh, yeah. Pacific Islanders. Yeah. So great, they're all together in this thing. White collar. Where is um, Jen Shaw from? She uh, was born in Hawaii, and Hawaii actually has a large Mormon population. So she grew up Mormon there. They have a, a Brigham Young uh, campus over in Hawaii. They have the Polynesian Cultural Center is run by Mormons. You know, fuck Mormons. Fuck and I'll Mormons. tell you why. And the things that because they found the most beautiful places in the United States to settle. Mm -hmm. You know, Utah, look, okay, I haven't been to Utah, I'm going to admit that, but I'm fascinated by the beauty mm -hmm. of Utah. Mm -hmm. And I get why they settled there. Yeah. Yeah. I had so many mountains. Because I, God is alive in Utah. God is alive in Utah. God is also alive in Hawaii. And sadly, Idaho. So that's where their other campus is. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, well, Idaho's pretty. Yeah. But so, so she was born and raised there. And I think she went, I think that's where she met her husband. I forget, but... She converted to um, Islam because of him, because he is Muslim, and she just realized, like, how many – her story is – so that's the thing. It's like she has this narrative about herself that she is very proud about. She says that how she, she has um, – she's so successful. She has so much money. Look at all her assistants, um, you know, and – uh, and things started unraveling when they first started filming or when the show first aired because then they said, oh, that 
that house that she is called like her ski chalet, her Shaw chalet. Um, chalet? Is that what I said? Yeah. Okay. Chalet. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, is, you know, this is our mansion, all this kind of stuff. It looks gorgeous. But then someone said, actually, they're renting it. So, which in terms of the crimes you can commit or lives you can do or make, you know, as a reality show, sorry, that's a very, that's on the low scale. People rent and they pretend and they lease vehicles, which she did, uh, you know, I feel like that's more normal. Like, okay, you might not own it. You lease it, however. But then things also started unraveling because it came out that she is part of this big, massive fraud money laundering scheme. And it gets actually really dark. And it also has a lot of ties to like Trump University. So yeah, it, and so what she and her first assistant of her many assistants, right, are being charged with is um, running this money, this kind of um, scheme where they, she said it was just like multi-level marketing, not much, like um, the, this kind of thing where they get lead lists. So they like pull lists of people. So she would sell that information to others. It gets like more nefarious than that. But just think like you have a list of people of elderly people who have no idea, often don't have computers, but they sell them on things like tax preparation, website design, um, all these kind of things. And then they hound them for the money for payment. So, and then they sell these lead lists of people who have been scammed to other people. So they just are trying to scam their, their population that they're targeting are people who have fixed incomes, who don't know a lot about the internet, who get very scared when someone like Jen Shaw or one of her people are yelling at them. So it's like really simplifies a lot of the things. Yeah. So was her husband part of this or was this her own thing? Uh, I mean, she, according like the, the business, the company or one of the companies that is, that she is the director of is called Prosper Inc. Um, she's been there since 2006. So I don't know how much he knew because he was also a lawyer for 12 years before he became a coach. I doubt that he didn't know anything. You know, I doubt that he, because he's an assistant coach for a football team, like for, I think what University of Utah, um, but that you make at most like what two hundred grand at the most. You know what I mean? No, no. But as an I assistant so. coach, though, so it's not okay. He's not. I don't know because, um, you know how my husband's team won the yeah. the championship a couple years ago. Yeah. The the, the basketball. What is the fucking college basketball championship? Yeah. The final mm-hmm. four. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. NCAA. Called, yeah. Yeah. His his college won that yeah. uh, like two or three years ago. And um, after that, the coach from that team was offered a big raise, like a million dollars or something. Mm-hmm. And he actually said, no, if you're going to pay me that much money, I want – it was either like – I want you to donate it or I want you to give a raise to all these other people. Sure. Great. It's like unheard of. Yeah. Right? So I think they can make a lot of money, but you're right. But, an assistant coach, I don't know. But it's not know. in line with the lifestyle that she is flaunting, right? Like the you can have a very nice home in Utah, even in Salt Lake City on his salary. Sure. But not to the mm-hmm. level of what she's been doing. So it's a lot of that kind of stuff. Right. So even when the idea of like, oh, she's renting came out, she started saying like, oh, we own property. We have four homes, including an apartment in New York City. So she was very much doing that. So I think one thing that is interesting about it is like we love a liar. We love to find out the lies are, are you know, bring down a liar. Um, and so I think it's interesting too, like the level of narcissism you have to have to be knowing you're committing some kind of fraudulent thing or Mm-hmm. If not fraud, which I guess it is because she's getting prosecuted for it. But like it, at the very least, like really unethical, mm-hmm. you know, stuff. But then to go on television and flaunt all the right. all the material things you have from your scam mm-hmm. takes like a lot of narcissism because you're thinking I'm never going to get caught. You're never going right? to get caught. You don't think that people are going to look. So the, the Trump um, tie also, which is interesting, is that her – company also worked with like Trump University. And so they had something else called like Trump U coaching, like life coaching or something like that. So they had, it's, it's so messy. And that the fact that she didn't think she got like, that's how people get caught, right? Like they get cocky, they get confident, they think they're above it, they think that they can just continue on with this, and that no one's going to ask questions, or that if they have questions, they can uh, talk them away, right? Like you can write them off, you can explain it, or you can give a lot of like gobbledygook because or you know however 
to just confuse people enough that they're like, oh, I don't get it, but okay, you know? So in so what's happened this week too, so when she had like an, an a, a initial like court meeting or something, arraignment, but so many people like logged onto the Zoom thing that they couldn't get in, like Jen couldn't get in. So they had to reschedule it for Friday and it was just a phone call. So, uh, and the phone calls, like you can't record it, like it's against the law, but people were reporting from it saying that she admitted, her lawyer admitted that she doesn't have any real property or own because she has to like put up, like, I think it's, I don't know this, what a bond is or like how of this, the amount it is. So I think it's like a million dollars, but she has to give like $250,000, have two people sign who have like financial stability. She can't talk to any of the victims she can't talk to her co-defendant she can't um she can't make money through marketing um and so a lot of things came out too it's just like yeah she doesn't own anything she's renting her place um she doesn't she has like zero in assets or something is what the lawyers are trying to say even though the judge was like mm-hmm. uh i don't think so you know mm, that's so they think they're gonna reconvene like in june or something so she's out she's not you know in jail or anything like that but it's right, just right, been right. really interesting to see all that kind of stuff come to light. And the fact that even in spite of all this stuff and not and feeling very unapologetic, people who have lost their money, um, same way like with Teresa, you know, and same way with Erica Girardi, like they get their money from people and from victims and they make a lot of it and they flaunt it all around and they're unapologetic. And so I've always respected Lisa Rinna for this fact, you know, like Lisa Rinna, I hope, I hope we don't end up hearing about a Lisa Rinna scam. Because Lisa Rinna is like the hardest working woman in reality. She hustles, television. baby. Yeah. yeah. Her QVC dusters. Like, I will sell your depends. I will do it all because like I want the money, but I want it in a real mm-hmm. way. Like she's not willing to do anything <clears throat> scammy. You know, the worst offense is like those cardigans she sells on the duster QVC mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, but she like, I don't know. I respect her. Yeah, I, I respect that. People are of working hard. And also, like what you say, like if you're going to be on a real life show, like use your platform, use that. You only be on it to make money. I mean, exactly. Your it's story awesome. is not that inter- No one's story is like super interesting mm-hmm. on its own. You want to have a personality. Um, and so maybe that's what all of these people want, thought they were going to get out of it, but not thinking that people will find your shit there's you cannot hide these things you know no you're gonna find your stuff it's kind of like when you're running for office when you're gonna be a politician like all your dark shit's gonna come out right. at some point which is why i know? cannot run for politics so no yeah. i'm not running for office know. you know like people tell my husband all the time that he should yeah he should run for some uh-huh. kind of office and i told him the other day i told him because <laughs> i think it came up again in some capacity and i said I did not sign up to be a first lady of anything, mm-hmm. and that is not a life I want. If that's a life you want, we're going to have to part ways. Like, I do not want that kind of thing. He doesn't want it. He doesn't yeah. want it. But I definitely don't want to be in the public eye like that I, ever. Yeah. I have too much shit. on. I've been on the internet since, like, 1998. Yeah. I've There's been no terrible. Way. But <laughs> – There was a scam. I might have mentioned this before one time. There was a scam going around um, that was targeting therapists where somebody was calling and saying they were from, they were a cop Mm. and that there was a warrant out for your arrest Mm -hmm. because of some complaint or licensing issue or something like Mm -hmm. that. And that you needed to call them right away and and pay like $5,000 to get out of this situation. And it was really scaring people. Like therapists um, thought it was real. Mm-hmm. Like that's not how any of this would happen. Mm-hmm. You know, you wouldn't have to call the, yeah. the person and hand them your credit card. You know, like that's just not it. But therapists are really paranoid people when it comes to anything that has to do with like your license being on the line or anything like that. So um that was happening for a Interesting. while. I wonder if she was part of that. I don't she know. She could have been because like, and then yeah. people were making fun of, of like, you know, when you get your, like, this is a call for your auto warranty or something like that. They're yes. like, is this you, Jen? Is this you, Jen Shaw? Trying to yeah. do that. I bet well, you. She wouldn't be above it if it caught, if it got her some money um, anyway. So that is what I know of Jen Shaw. I'm disappointed that the only Pacific Islander on Real Housewives is also a criminal and that it wasn't me. <laughs> well, my time will sorry come. Sorry for that, but 
you did a great job explaining oh, that. Thanks. I thank you so much because yeah, I was wondering, um, some of these stories, I just can't bring myself to go look into all the details. You know, I see the headline and I'm like, oh, okay, that's interesting. And then I wait for someone to just explain it to me because mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't, you know, I care, but I don't care that much yeah. to look into all the details myself. And um, there's other things I'd rather report on um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and spend my time doing. By the way, you guys, um, let me just self-plug. I am working on another podcast uh, called uh, If You Have to Ask, and it's an advice show, and I'm really, really nervous about it, about like releasing this and everything, being scrutinized, but then I'd have to have listeners to be scrutinized, so I don't think I should really worry about that quite yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I finished, I recorded my first episode. It's, it's pandemic related. Um, and it will be out on Wednesday. So Sweet. look for that. If you have to ask, <laughs> yeah. what a perfect name. Well, thank you. You know who came up with the name for me? Who did? Alicia. Aww. Yeah. So thanks, Alicia. And also I thanked her in that episode. Um, she was brainstorming with me and um, she helped me because the name I originally wanted was kind of taken and it was a whole thing. And um, yeah, but it fits with me. You know, if you have to ask, I think you already know the you answer. Know. So um, the answer is usually in your question somewhere. Yeah. If I were to have a, a, a like a relationship advice show, it would just be like, leave them, girl. Leave them. Well, yeah. I mean, Dan Savage kind of did that mm-hmm. with Dump the Motherfucker already. Oh, okay. I'm Okay. You know, he kind of popularized that, but I agree. I mean, it comes down to a, it. There's, there's many different ways to say that, yeah. and people need to hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, the first couple questions I got were related to life going back to normal and people really not wanting I it. Don't to. Want it. Um, so I addressed those things, um, and then I did like one bonus question. Um, it'll be good. It's it's kind of short and sweet. The episodes are gonna be probably like under 40 minutes Mm -hmm. this first one was only 25 so um it's a nice little little guy i love it you're like my esther perel if i had listened to your advice a long time ago i probably would be in a better but you know what people come to you and they'll listen to you as where they are in their life so people are just gonna do what they're gonna do Mm -hmm. that's that's the really hard part about about it is that you have to just sometimes watch people make bad decisions and they need to learn Mm -hmm. through that. Um, But you came out of everything. All right. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it took me a while. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And you know who else came out of things? All right. Who? Tina Turner. Tina Turner. Kind of. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, let's talk about Tina Turner, shall we? Yes. I'm so glad that you had recommended it. Because I, because Cliff had recommended it, but I wasn't listening to him until you said it. And I was just like, oh, yeah, Rachel said to watch this. He's like, oh, now you're going to watch it? I was like, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, there's an amazing documentary on HBO called Tina. And I think even if you're not a major Tina Turner fan, you you will like this documentary. I mean, it's really fascinating. Um, extremely, extremely fascinating. There's things in there that, I mean, you think you know about somebody, but you don't. And she really gave us this glimpse into more of herself. And the interesting thing was, this was kind of her goodbye. Like she, at the end, she's kind of like, yeah, so I've been thinking about how do I just kind of bow out? (laughs) And she said, I think with this documentary and with the Broadway show that opened, I guess, right before COVID, mm-hmm. um, this is my way to kind of say goodbye and live my good life over here in, in Switzerland, Switzerland or whatever mm-hmm. in this amazing house full of art and topiaries. But um, mm-hmm. she is an incredible, incredible woman. Um, what do you think, like, what do you, what did you learn about Tina that you don't, you didn't know before about her? I mean, you know, growing up, uh, I remember seeing, like, the videos in the 80s, like, you know, her music videos. So I was like, oh, okay, that's really cool. But I had – and I knew a little bit from the movie 
what's love got to do with it with Angela Bassett with the mm-hmm. you no know, so I and Lawrence Fishburne so and but I don't really I didn't really remember it because that was still like when I was growing up too um so I knew like of that like okay it was abusive it was violent but I didn't realize to the extent and I also didn't realize like how young she was when mm-hmm. she first started and so the minute they said that she was you know a teenager 16 or 17 years old when he started coming out like at her like as a like at first we're like brother and sister type of thing and then like ramped up I know I didn't realize that she said the relationship was like family at yeah. first mm-hmm. and then also that because she didn't have the family of her own you know what I mean like she her parents left her I know and she had the saddest childhood like I had no I could have assumed but I did not know so her parents, her dad was abusive to her mom, right? Yeah. And then the mom just had it one day and left. Mm-hmm. Right. And then the dad left yeah. and she was left to be taken care of by cousins mm-hmm. or some other family member. And so by 15 or so, she was just kind of on her own. Yeah. And her mom never really, like she had a relationship with her mom later on in life when she became famous, but her mom still never really acknowledged her as a person. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was still like, oh, but who did all this that, you know, like the success she's like, I did. It's like, oh, but really like very doubtful, even though like she, the, you know, so she's had the core relationships in her life have not been good. Right. So it's just like her parents were not great. Her love life was, was terrible. She was with a, what I consider a very mediocre man who hooked onto a star. And that's what one of the things were like, okay, it's that story again, but it's even worse, right? So, yeah. So, I didn't know about Ike that, like, he was a very talented musician who was responsible for writing songs for other people that it made the other person famous. It made other people big, and then they would leave him. Mm-hmm. And that, that can't be, that can't be all there is to his story, obviously. But, it was kind of like part of the perfect storm of him of creating this monster of like, oh, you can't leave me. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, yeah, I might be able to make you famous, but like this time, mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to just leave and go do your own thing, which obviously she did at some mm-hmm. point. Um, but I didn't realize that about him. Like he had written songs for for others that made them mm-hmm. popular, um, and he didn't get the credit for it. And he was a deeply insecure man, Mm -hmm. deeply insecure. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could see there was that they show kind of towards the end an interview with him in the year 2000, maybe, and he's talking about Tina. And you can just tell, I mean, he has no confidence in what he's saying and he wants to come off saying the right thing, but he can't because he's Ike Turner. Like, there's just no way Mm -hmm. he's not going to put his foot in his Mm -hmm. mouth. And he does. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was interesting to see that side of him, but also everyone else's perspective of what's going on too, and like how so much was going on. I didn't know that in when they got divorced that she like got nothing, you know, and he mm-hmm. got millions and millions of dollars, and that mm-hmm. you know of that time that would equate it to a hell of a lot. But all she wanted really was her name, and I kept thinking like, that's you know what, you are so talented. That's really you're going to bring that, and no one can take that from you. You know, yeah. Despite like all the kind of pain and everything that she went through, and maybe that's just the cost. And that's what I looked at too. Like, not like my divorce was any different, but or at all the same. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, where I was just like, you know, it is the cost of getting your life back. Um, yeah, you want your identity. you want your identity, and-, and you want to get out of this. And so, what are you willing to to leave on the table or fight for, or you know, keep for yourself? Um, and she had her name. Yeah. They didn't go into it too much, and I probably understand why, but she didn't seem like she's the most present mother. No, um, no. I, and I and I get I get that, you know, that might have been impossible for her to be, um, but it doesn't seem like she was around mm-hmm. that much mm-hmm. for her kids, and I wonder, I wonder kind of what the whole truth is around that stuff and her relationship with her children and um yeah and just how this woman like she just wanted love like she just wanted to be loved her whole life and she never Mm -hmm. felt it and to be asked over and over and over you know I never really thought about this until they put it in perspective in the documentary but how her whole career she spent trying to rid herself of this man Mm -hmm. And that's all she was ever asked about. And when she came out, 
with the book, mm-hmm. um, she thought this will finally put it to rest. But then the but then the Angela Bassett movie came yeah. out, and then she did like this Oprah interview where she inspired millions of women, mm-hmm. you know, um, to. It just it's part of her story it's just like she did not want to embrace that this was just part of what made her who she is mm-hmm. um she just didn't want to be asked about it anymore and every time she was imagine just imagine just, that. right and then to have to yeah. have like such because the thing is right it's never going to be a good look if you're before everyone knew the big story, right? And they're just like, oh, are you, aren't you? are you Ike and Tina Turner? Where's Ike now? And then she just has to smile through it, you know, and like clench down and and say like, you know, we are divorced and separated or divorced, you know, and have that be the thing because people cannot let that go, you know, until, and even after all the abuse happened, which I thought I was like, okay, good. I'm glad that abuse is attached to his name, that he can would not yeah. ever leave that and she can leave and have, you know, success and everything like that. But I mean, it would just be so relentless if people kept asking, like, you know, about something so traumatic that they think is just like fun, you know, entertainment. Um, so, yeah, that would just been have been really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing, too, that I didn't realize, and I'm not sure how, but like um, just how much stage presence she mm-hmm. has, like. The dancing and it didn't go through anything about her being going to voice lessons or dance lessons or anything like that this woman is just self yeah made like Absolutely. she knows how to move her body she knows how to sing um the dancing on stage how sweaty she mm-hmm. gets how yeah into mm-hmm. it um just um, just amazed me and it amazed me that someone who had just been beaten the night before Mm -hmm. could get on stage with that much confidence and maybe she did maybe she took on a different persona like an alter ego Mm -hmm. kind of thing but to to be able to do that through the pain of being Mm -hmm. you know hit Mm -hmm. um the night before to be all bruised up to um to not become this tiny shrinking person Mm -hmm. that she got bigger on stage you know it was just amazing to me yeah she really where did that strength come from Mm -hmm. yeah she definitely had it and that wasn't anything to do with it like you know i mean like she had it on her own so that's why i i look at it and like to be so wrapped up in a relationship like that when you are a superstar you know and yeah yeah and yeah and so i guess like she found buddhism and then one day like realized she could just leave yeah, I think that's like the start. That's of, how they made it. They now. made it sound like she figured that part out, and then <laughs> thank you Buddha and all the teachings to help. Maybe and maybe that hit her in a way that, uh, like it struck her heart in a way that hadn't you know, hadn't been revealed to her in other ways, which yeah. is really hard. So um, to have that kind of epiphany, yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I'm glad she had it um, when she did. For sure. Um, Yeah. So, and then interestingly enough, the week that I watched Tina, I revisited this documentary on Hulu that I've seen probably four or five times now, but I watched it again and I was like, this documentary is so good. I, no one's heard of it. Why? It's amazing. It's called Dina Mm -hmm. with a D, D D-I-N-A. Um, and so I rewatched that and I asked you to watch it and I asked um, another friend – actually, I, watched, I asked Alicia to watch it and she did. Um, and these two documentaries kind of have some things in common despite the fact that they're like vastly different. Mm-hmm. Um, Dina is about um, people with disabilities mm-hmm. um, and their love lives, but Dina was also kind of um, – taken advantage of Mm -hmm. and abused Mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And it, I was thinking, and we're going to talk more about it, but I was thinking about that sometimes these signs about people that we get into relationships with are so covert, Mm -hmm. you know, or you just don't see Mm -hmm. the thing Mm -hmm. that's bad. And it reminded me, there's this woman in the UK, she's works for the Scotland Yard, I think, um, which is their version of the FBI, Mm -hmm. I think, right? Mm -hmm. Something like that. Um, And she 
she um, identified and developed um, a law in the UK about stalking and coercive uh, coercive control. It's called Co- coercive control. Are is kind of the red flags that lead to stalking and murder mm-hmm. um, of uh, inter partner mm-hmm. uh, violence. And um, this woman in the UK, Laura Richards, uh, is pretty pretty amazing at what she was able to do. And they're trying; she's trying to replicate it in the US, which I don't know um, if it will work, mm-hmm. but. Coercive control, I'm going to read you from her website what it is. Um, It's a strategic pattern of behavior designed to exploit, control, create dependency, and dominate. The victim's everyday existence is micromanaged and her space for action as well as potential as a human being is limited and controlled by the abuser. Initially, love bombing and charm may occur to get the victim into the relationship. Gaslighting, isolation, economic control, and financial abuse and rules and regulations are gradually introduced over time once the victim is emotionally invested as well as a consequence if they are broken. The rules apply to the victim rather the, the rules apply to the victim rather the perpetrator creating a double standard and the victim fears the consequence if she breaks a rule. Over time, coercively controlling behavior erodes the victim's sense of self, their confidence and self-esteem, agency, and autonomy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, coercive control correlates significantly to serious harm and homicide. So um, this woman campaigns against these behaviors. You know, a lot of times you can't prove this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's very... Um, hard to prove and to get help um, and all of that. But listen to this. Between the year 2000 and 2006, 3,200 American soldiers were killed in combat. During that same period, more than three times as many women died at the hands of their husbands and boyfriends. Jesus. Yeah. Can you believe that? Yeah, it's super sad. Uh, like a woman is a woman is murdered every sixteen hours in the U.S. by a current or former partner. Mm-hmm. These murders, in slow motion, are preventable. Early identification and intervention is vital to saving lives, and sa- it says vital to saving lives and saving money. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I wanted to bring that to attention because I think. Um, just to spotlight this word coercive control. Yeah. That um, when someone's looking to kind of isolate you and create a dependence on them, that you need to, um, you need to not. <laughs> how about yeah, that? Yeah, how about no to that? But it, <laughs> it is hard though because these, and you know, we we know the word gaslighting more now than we did before yeah, yeah. where people feel like they're crazy because they're made to feel crazy by a partner who is planting seeds of like, I'm of that we're misinterpreting something or we're not seeing something correctly when there is some shady shit going on right in front of us mm-hmm. and toxic behavior going mm-hmm. on right in front of us to us. Um, but other things like course of control, uh, love bombing is the other one too, that I feel like more people need to realize, like identify as like, that's the behavior it, and it is about patterns. Right. So it's just like, this whole thing of like I'm going to have a big incident where I make you feel like shit and then I'm going to to make you feel like give you back a little bit of the love that I gave you before and then you know you're craving for it and at the same time being felt like crazy because I'm like you know why are we going through all of this stuff again so mm-hmm. yeah I think that's like super I mean I I wish I had known more of these red flags like earlier in relationships so I feel like that it when we talk about like teen like teaching teens, like how to have healthy relationships. Like that's really where a good place to start is like teach. Who teaches teens how to have healthy relationships? Well, hopefully like, you know, I mean, <laughs> I never, was yeah, I wasn't taught that either, but like, I wish that, you know, we had something to at least plant those seeds that we have, that we're yeah. aware of that kind of stuff because the swings of like teenage love or puppy love or whatever swing wildly each way. And then we've, you know, we 
as a teenager, you don't have the right perspective to realize like what is, you know, and so like even now, and this is kind of going off topic, but like when we talk about like how many relationships we see of older men preying on younger women, it strikes in the same kind of uh, universe, right? Where it's mm-hmm. just like Woody Allen, J.D. Salinger, all these kind of people coming out or that we've known about. And now we can look at it through this lens of like, that's fucked up. You know what I mean? Yeah. They shouldn't have been grooming that young girl. And now she becomes like, you know, an adult with and having live in the aftermath of all of this stuff. So, yeah. So we're seeing a lot more like that, like where we're questioning things like, oh, that chronologically, you should not have been in that relationship. You know, could you have handled an older relationship later, but not in the ways that these toxic relationships started where um, and these kind of patterns of very uh unhealthy relationship bonds like are formed like that's yeah it it's really fucked up yeah so okay so circling back around to dina Mm -hmm. um so this is an amazing documentary i urge you all to watch it dina at the time of this documentary is i think a 48 year old woman who lives on her own lives on her own she's extremely independent Mm -hmm. um they say that she is developmentally disabled, although I would say it comes across more as like an autism spectrum situation. She says during the documentary that she also has OCD, anxiety, and just a smorgasbord of other <laughs> things. Dina in this film is engaged to a man named Scott who is um, identifies as someone who's on the autism spectrum. And um, it's kind of about like their love story and everything and they're fine, but Dina was previously married to somebody else who was abusive. Um, no. Well, yeah, I think he was, but then she had a boyfriend in between who stabbed her. Mm-hmm. Um, and you hear that more towards the end. You get more of the details about this. How this documentary came about was the director um, had a sister with a disability and met Dina through some community group that they're in. Again, Dina is extremely independent. She's got a community of people. She has friends. She goes to these Mm -hmm. um, community events. And so um, this guy was going to do a documentary about this group, I think. And then through his sister, met Dina and learned like Dina is this fascinating, fascinating (laughs) character. And let's do a documentary about her. And she felt really comfortable with him. And, um, they went for it. So that's how it came about. This documentary, it doesn't really feel like a documentary. It feels like a character portrait mm-hmm. movie. I remember when I first watched it, I was like, is this real? Are these actors? I had no idea really at first mm-hmm. if it was yeah. a documentary or not. Yeah, it, it um, plays out kind of slowly, I think. It's all mm-hmm. very like uh, day in the life type of things. We're like, uh, you yeah. know, so there isn't like a huge arcs of of uh, interaction or or uh, any kind of like difficulty there, but it's kind of like you know that they're these two are getting married, so you, it's like what is love like in this world, where yeah. you also bring your past in, you know, of varying degrees of relationship history or no history or you know a very traumatic history, um, but in but you play that out in a, a group of people who have very different. Uh, you know, abilities, um, communication, yeah, communication skills, skills sex, drive. sex, right. Where she, and you know, I, I just thought it was also very charming, like to see her, I, I, it doesn't strike, like when you look at it, it's something that you might pass, you know, pass on, but I would just say like, it's, it's worth seeing. Um, I had heard you talk about it before because this came out in like 2017 yeah, it's been a, it's been a minute. yeah, and it also like I didn't realize that it, like it took Sundance like um like people really loved it there so mm-hmm. it was it was um it was really interesting yeah I just yeah like I don't know why Dina isn't an influencer yeah. at this point like I have no idea she because is very matter of fact about what she talks about you know what I mean like she but also she loves reality shows she like reality yeah oh, that's she true she loves pop There's culture scenes of her watching the Kardashians scenes of her watching Sex in the City yeah and that she talks about it you know so yeah. she definitely has opinions uh she's yeah. like yeah um Kylie is being really you know sketchy she's not talking to her family we don't know why <laughs> and I was like <laughs> oh yeah and she's fascinated with Bruce Jenner yeah. now Kate yeah she yeah. locks on to those things I just I thought it was really interesting too 
and that it was kind of and seeing her and her fiance Scott the way they interact with each other too like she would take more of a lead on things expose him to things like you know going to the beach for the first time Mm -hmm. the bus ride over there and he gets upset Mm -hmm. and so she also tries to help you know, um, not calm him down, but kind of assure him like it's okay. This is just part of the process. You know, it does take a long time to travel. When he's like, "We should have been there by now. We should be shopping." But also how they talk to each other about what their needs are. So she, you know, she said like, "I don't like it when you walk ahead of me." Um, yes. I and then and he's very comfortable. He's like, "Okay, sweetheart." You know, so listening as as much as you know, taking the information in, but they're communicating with each other on those kind of things. Yeah, so this isn't the first time we've seen a show or a movie about people on the autism spectrum. Um, There was a show on Netflix called Love on the Spectrum that was amazing. And the thing that keeps coming up for me when I see these types of shows and movies Mm -hmm. is that all of us could be learning something from this type of communication. Like there is something to be gained from this really matter of fact, blunt Mm -hmm. communication. And we as, you know, I don't know, uh, non-neurodiverse people, um, we are able to completely hide ourselves behind things to keep us safe and they're not. And there's something so refreshing about the honesty that if you were just honest with your, whoever you're dating, like you might get a better result. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I I saw that in the interaction with Scott's mom when Dina was talking about like she said, well, when I got married the first time, I was at the altar. Is it going to be like this? You know, and without yeah. kind of like the emotional uh, cover over anything like when you talk about past, like I'm petty as fuck, I'm jealous as fuck. So it's like, yeah. could I talk about my previous <laughs> wedding without adding a whole bunch of shit to it? Uh, the way she just did, uh, I don't think so. So that part was refreshing. I was like, yeah, I like that they could just, she could just be honest. I mean, and that's her. And she could just say, do you ever masturbate? She just yeah. asked Scott, do you ever masturbate? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she's trying to get him to, you know, bring that part, which is a very healthy part of an adult relationship that he, you know, didn't she bring like the joy of sex book out and something? Yeah. So on that beach trip, yeah. um, spoiler, you guys, um, she presents Scott with a gift and it's the joy of sex. I think that's yeah. the book that mm-hmm. she gave him. Because Scott doesn't seem interested in sex and she's very curious about mm-hmm. that. Because Dina is interested in sex. But Dina also comes from a previous relationship where he was borderline like BDSM stuff that she maybe wasn't into. And there was some consent stuff and ad- mm-hmm. self-advocacy stuff. Um, and actually, when my friend Alicia watched it, she asked me um, – do you think Dina really likes sex or it's this thing left over from the abuse she experienced mm-hmm. from a previous mm-hmm. relationship? And, and you know, I was thinking about that and I was like, that's a really good point. Um, I think she's at the very least, she is very genuinely curious mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. it. Wh- whether she enjoys it or not, I don't know. But her frame of reference is that men do these things and Scott doesn't. And so she's like really kind of taken aback by mm-hmm. what that means. Yeah. You know? Yeah. She is. And Scott's like, um, yeah, I touch myself. Yeah. You know, he, he he admits it. And then she's like, well, why do you do that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I don't know. I've just been doing it since long before you, baby. <laughs> That's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he has no idea or he's not comfortable saying, but he doesn't really see um, how those things like connect mm-hmm. to her, um, which is something that I hope they've worked through at this point. I really want an update on Dina. Yeah, Dean and Scott, how are you guys doing? Yeah, yeah. I just, yeah, it was very refreshing to see that uh, type of like, how do you even talk about sex when you have all these other things too? She does like butts, so I, I was like, yeah, and she's yeah. very open about that. The there was the stripper scene, um, where they hired the stripper, yeah. and it was just like. I I was like, okay, interesting. I thought it was it was cute. Oh, it was cute. Yeah, she gets she has a very traditional bachelorette party yeah. situation. Her friends her friends throw her a bachelorette. She has an engagement party. She goes through all the very normal kind of channels of an American wedding. Um, and it's just 
it's just great. And then towards the end, um, it ends on a sweet note, although it kind of builds up to learning more about um, what happened to her mm-hmm. in, in one of those mm-hmm. relationships. And, and you hear, um, you hear the 911 call yeah. and it's, um, it's a lot, mm-hmm. but it's, it's incredible. I, I can't recommend it. Enough. Yeah. I'm glad you watched Thank it. Thank you for also recommending that. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's all I've got. That is, that was a lot. You know, we went yeah, through Tina, Dina, Jen, Shaw. I don't have an Ina with that, but. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for tuning in. We will be back next week with what I don't know, but we always seem to figure it out. So we'll leave you there and see you next week. Bye. You've been listening to How About No. If you like what you heard, follow us on iTunes and leave us a cool review. Thanks.